0: Hey friends, welcome back to our New Life Men's Podcast. One of my favorite books from last year was a book entitled Becoming a King from Morgan Snyder. It was a book I read through a few different times and I just found myself uh, highlighting things and and writing in the margins and just uh, out loud saying, yes, that is so true. And so the book was a a gift to me and I've uh, since found myself recommending this book often. To other men. And so I wanted to share it with you on the podcast. And so today I'm going to play for you a conversation that I recently recorded with Morgan Snyder. Now Morgan has spent the last 20 years serving alongside John Eldridge at Wild at Heart. And uh, that's just a phenomenal ministry that's impacted men all over the world. And uh, But I, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. It's a powerful message. He's a man I greatly respect. And so without uh, further ado, here's my conversation with Morgan Snyder. Morgan Snyder, thank you uh, for being with us. What a joy to be able to sit with you and to have a conversation with you. I gotta say, before we dive in here, I'm a little intimidated when I compare my background and your background You've got these amazing animals staring at me, and I've got a plant. And
1: so Gabe, hey, I, I grew up as a golfer wearing argyle socks, <laughs> in the of suburbia, or as I call it, suburgatory. And um, my my dead pets on my walls are all stories. Those are stories of being fathered by God and initiated as a man. And so it's funny, that wasn't intentional. This is just my office and it turned into a broadcasting place when COVID hit and we did these things on digital and not in person. But those are stories to remind me that I'm a son and I'm being pursued by a father. And they remind me every day when I lose my way.
0: Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Well, I want to, you know, this, your your book, Becoming a King, uh, was one of my favorites from last year. And uh, I followed Wild at Heart for decades. You know, I've read a lot of the books. Uh, The ministry has had a a pretty profound impact on me and just my development. I've read most of John's books, and so along the way, I was curious: uh, when is Morgan going to write a book? Because I, I, uh, I would hear you speak and I would read your your blogs, and it was obvious that there was a message that was brewing in you for a long time. And so when I read your book this year, I realized why you didn't write it earlier because this has been something you have taken your time with. And that yeah. was obvious. I mean, this has been, this has been brewing for, for years yes. in you.
1: Yeah, it's been over really just over two decades that it's been this curating and distilling of a path and a process. And I remember Gabe early in my initiation as a man, I heard Dallas Willard ask, someone asked him about writing. And he said, first, I want to become the kind of person that has something to say. Mm -hmm. And then I want to take the time to curate a message that can be deeply beneficial to other people, that it's not just cathartic, but it's actually stewarding something. And that only after taking the time to craft that message, would he then look to how do I share this with other people? And how do I get this to the the world entrusted to my care and kind of the the land of publishing? And so that was my path. I, I am a messenger, but the story of becoming a king is a story mostly of becoming. It's the decades of taking the lower seat at the table, of choosing excavation, of choosing to forsake building a personal kingdom, and actually doing the digging, doing the work to become wholehearted, doing the slow and steady to become a wholehearted man that God is glad to entrust with more and more, which is the intention of every human being, every man and every woman. And so it was a a long process, but that was very intentional. And, and so in some ways it may be a new book, but it's something God's been um, crafting and really a recovery of an ancient message that mm-hmm. it's nothing new, but it's newly recovered. Um, every generation is is invited to do that. As Chesterton says, I just love this idea, Gabe, that every generation loses the gospel. yeah, And every generation is charged with its recovery. And there's something so beautiful in that because it keeps the gospel, the gospel and not personality and not denomination. It keeps Christ at the center of all things. And so that was the heart behind it. Yeah, well said, Uh, that's beautiful. You know, Morgan, I I
0: often will pay attention to what does a book leave me with? Not only when I'm going through it, but at the end, what does it leave me with? Does it leave me with just more information? Does it leave me feeling kind of... uh, feeling behind like, Oh, there's a whole lot more I should be doing. And, and what your book left me with uh, going through it. And then afterwards was uh, it left me with more of a hunger to experience the life that God has made available to me as a son.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I don't know if that's what you were going for. Oh,
1: I love it. I love it. But it, it, oh, it
0: awakened some things in me and there was this uh, this desire. To, yes. I want to, today, I want to walk as a son. Today, I want to experience the life that God has made available to me. And so I just want to thank you yes. uh, for the, the work, the hard work that you've put into this. And, you know, I, I love how you start the book. You talk about, you tell a story about waking up one day, and you realize that on the, the outside, your external world, it looked pretty good right? You had a family. Things seemed to be good there. You're, you were successful in your ministry. Things were moving forward in your life. But when you were honest with yourself and you started to kind of survey your interior landscape, you realized, oh, there, there are some real unfinished places in me. There are some dashboard lights that, that are blinking. There are some yeah. things that really need my attention. And so would you be willing to say more about What did you notice? What were some of those dashboard lights blinking, calling for your attention?
1: Yeah, I would love to share more on that. And actually it's very, um, it has a pretty intimate connection with you and the new life community, actually a big piece of that story. So um, I could actually feel the emotion come up as I take myself back Mm. to those years. It was around 2008, where some of this was really playing out. Um, You know, most men, Gabe, were made to rule. That was the invitation in Genesis, men and women as men and women that were invited as image bearers to co-create, to actually participate in creating and ruling Mm -hmm. over everything that God has created. And it goes sideways, it's a mess, right? Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. have to, I mean, search the news for heaven's sakes. I mean, yesterday, the world, the capital, was being stormed mm-hmm. by citizens. Like, but what's fascinating, a while ago, I was getting ready for a podcast and I just wanted to check in. So I said, I'm going to Google the news today. And then I started doing this regularly. I'm just going to look at the news. And what do you see the top 10 stories on any given day? And what I found is, on average, Gabe, seven to nine of the prime of the top headline stories, the theme was fundamentally about men mishandling power. Yeah, well, wow. not amazing. Yeah, out of yeah. top ten stories. And so, so what do you do with this dilemma that we were meant to be powerful? That that's our invitation. That's our mandate. That's our call. And yet it goes terribly wrong in so many instances. And so, so many men take this desire to build. We want to build something. And we set out without um, a whole heart, without a union with God. And we begin to make a name for ourselves, make a little money and get something going. There's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves, but they become very um, self-centered. What I mean Mm -hmm. by that is a view of reality where we are at the center And we miss the centrality of the gospel that's actually an invitation into the life of God.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Right? And so it becomes a small story. I love, Brene Brown has this great phrase. She calls it engineering smallness. When you just look at our lives, like I'm guilty of it, like of just engineering a little bit of life. And so what I found was I was a young man who was passionate I was, I'm a life seeker and I'm an intense person and I'm a learner. I'm a student. I love those sorts of things. And I also loved God very deeply, but I was uninitiated. And so what I mean by that is there's a way to love God and have trust and confidence in him mostly, and then to have major parts of your soul that are still young that are still uninitiated. And so there's part of me that's a young man. And then there's part of me that's still a boy. And so you take a man like that and you put him at the helm of a kingdom and things start going sideways. And a kingdom is is simply the reign, the the realm in which God asks you to reign, the realm in which he is entrusting people and things Mm -hmm. to you. Another word that's really helpful is stewardship, not Mm -hmm. from a financial standpoint, but literally from a, from a spiritual reality that God gave me a wife and a town home and these young children and a mission. And all of a sudden I go from a single young man to all these responsibilities. And so I have this heart for God, but things begin going sideways. Like what's with the anger? What's with the fear what's with the loneliness? And so, as you said, outside things are well, but inside things are not working. And so the question is for a man, like, what do you do when you're at that crossroads where you're, you, you see the check engine light and it's asking for attention, but the world's saying just minimize it and just keep your head down.
0: Yeah. What did you feel resistance that process because i think most men do you know they realize oh there are there are things that there are uninitiated places in me there are things that need to be addressed and i think a lot of guys there are three three reasons why there's resistance to going there number one is i don't have time Uh, number two is i don't want to feel those things like i stuffed those away for a reason and number three is uh, i don't know how yes so when you found yourself in this place, did you feel that resistance? Did
1: you question whether you wanted to really go there? G- Gabe, I, yeah, I really appreciate the question because you, you, know, you spend a lot of time with men and you see it expressed a universal struggle in unique ways and I felt the resistance. And I think another word I would use below resistance is I feared exposure. Wow. That's really what I, I it, below resistance was fear. And it was, I will be found out. And what will be discovered is I'm a fraud or I'm weak. You know, as John says in Wild Heart, I just don't have what it takes. What my kingdom is asking of me, I don't have it. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting you point out those three things. I, I think just to speak to each of those for a moment, you know, the question of time. I sat with over 75 older guides. I found the oldest, wisest men I could. And I was sitting with a guy named Matt one day and he was telling me a story. Um, and, and the relationship evolved over time. But he said in those early years, he didn't have time, right? He had a, he was a career, no, a government career and a, a part-time pastor and life was busy with two kids. And he said he was there, but he wasn't there. He was there physically but his soul was not in the place where he could be fully present. And so he found himself turning to his wife and I write about this in the book and I'll call her Kelly. He said, Kelly, like remind me when our son um, tur- was in the homecoming football game because he was, he was captain and MVP. And I, I don't really remember it. I mean, I was there, but I wasn't there. And mm. then later he said, remind me like when our daughter Kelly, when she turned 16 and drove away because I remember giving her that car, but like, I don't remember that day. Yeah. And, and he was reflecting back on being physically present, but not having a heart that could be fully present emotionally and relationally. Well, fast forward, his wife left him hmm. and he was telling me the story through tears saying my memory walked out the door. Wow, wow, wow. I literally lost my children's childhood. And so the question is like, um, what's the risk and what's at stake in this? Like, what what could you lose? What could be lost? It's such an important question. And then the question of like, I don't want to feel this. Like Jesus is really compassionate in this realm. He knows that there is immense pain, but the only way to life is through death. That life doesn't come without a path and process of death. And that's why he says, like, here's the challenge is I, I played a wedding song and you didn't celebrate. Mm-hmm. I played a funeral song and you didn't grieve. He says, like, friends, that your heart is the wellspring of life. Your heart is not life. It is the spring from which life flows. And literally, you cannot engage life without your heart emotion expressing your deep heart center. Mm -hmm. And so you can choose to ignore that, but it will come to, to bite you down the road. And so the question is, what will you do with your pain? And then the question of how, like, in some ways, that's the most beautiful question, Gabe, because our journey as men was meant to be a path and a process of masculine initiation. And most human cultures, understood this very much, even from their circumstances. And yet it's something that's been profoundly and tragically lost on the modern era. And so God hasn't changed. He's orchestrating initiation, but we must get curious about recovering this path and process in in responding to him. And so I believe that the how is actually at the epicenter of our relationship with God. And so when we take our life in God and we make it just a a set of beliefs or going to church on Sundays, we miss the essence of it when it's actually the primary mission of God is to initiate us into masculine wholeheartedness. That's what he's up to. And so if you want to be curious about your life in God, to begin to ask God the question of how is the frontier? And every man has a question, and God loves to speak to that question. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I love, Morgan, how one of the first things you did in that process, this process that you're describing of the initiation that God has for every man, right? And I, I want to highlight that you said this early on. You said, this is for every man. God doesn't just pick and choose a few favorites and then push push the others to the side. Uh, we're sons, and he does this for every man. And one of the first uh, ways that you began to uh, be curious is you, you started reaching out to sages, older, wise men, and you started asking them uh, questions. And yeah. I think I think that hunger is deep inside uh, most men. This Absolutely. this hunger to have that kind of a spiritual father, that kind of a mentor. Uh, how did you do that? Would you say more about that process? Because you, uh, seventy five, that's a that's a lot of uh, men to pursue relationship with,
1: right? Sure. And there was well, a gold mine there. I want to respond to it like with a lot of compassion and really carefully, because mm-hmm. first off hindsight's 20, twenty we're talking about over time and it was a beautiful mess. It was beautiful, mm-hmm. but it was, and let me say it is a messy process. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and here's what I mean by that is there is a question in our soul. There's an ache in our soul, and we long to have a wise guide. And most of that comes out of an unfathered place in us. There's a young place in us that's asking for leadership, that's mentorship. And it is very, very at risk for being deeply disappointed. Mm, Yeah. Because we have this ache, and we end up taking it to a man when it's meant to be for God. And at the end of the day, Gabe, God is the only one that can be our true father, our true mentor, mentor, and our true wise guide. And until we risk believing that God is the epicenter of the answer to our question in the home for our ache, we will be constantly disappointed in older men. And that's the danger because we're all unfinished. We're all in process. So just because a guy has some more miles on his odometer, or just because he's killed some wild animals or built and sold companies or pastor to church, it doesn't make him this, this perfectly wholehearted man. And so you know, we don't have time to unpack it fully in this podcast, but I did do a particular podcast on this topic called In Search of a Father. Hmm. And for guys that are really curious, it's a Become Good Soil podcast, you can search In Search of a Father. And it really dives more deeply into this category of kind of some of the practicals of how to go after it. But what I would say in summary is a young man has a lot of answers you know, teenagers are the smartest people in the world. Like their belief system is a set and series of exclamation points. (laughs) Everything is figured out, right? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter what the belief system is, they're exclamation points. And that's why junior high teachers said, say they love junior high because the kids are malleable, they're being formed, right? And then they get very stiff. And what that means is the false self Mm -hmm. has been architected, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? But then life quits working, right? We bump into circumstances where the, the way I'll say it is, our life matters to other people. It's not that it didn't always matter, but we have consequences. That, that little thing that you do on the side, you know, with some sort of addiction in high school, well, when that manifests, when you have young children in a wife, it, it, it exponents in its impact, right? There are consequences. Part of life is behind us. And what happens to the soul of a man is another round of initiation where we're invited to replace our exclamation points with question marks. Yeah, good. Right? It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength through dependency. It's a sign of interdependency with God. And so, Gabe, what I began to do do was risk asking questions, risk to live in a way where God has to show up or I'm screwed and begin to replace my exclamation points with questions. And I began to seek out wise guides, not with one man that had all the answers. It was as simple as, I had a toilet that was broken in a townhome that I owned, and I didn't know what to do. And so, Gabe, I grew up in a house with a father who was a doctor. He grew up in poverty. And the message that he lived under was, I am loved when I provide financially. And so my dad became a successful doctor. The consequence is all the things that run a domain were outsourced. So there was a plumber to fix the faucet right? There was a a, a snowplow to shovel the driveway and I lacked initiation in those areas. And so here I was a young man and the toilet's broken and I have a wife that needs to use it. And all of a sudden I'm in fear because I go, I don't have money to fix it, to hire a guy. And I don't know how to fix it. And there was a boy in me that was freaking out because I was exposed. I own this house, but I can't rule well. But this was a stage where I said, I'm not going to waste my pain and I'm going to bring my questions to God and say, God, I know that you're a father and I am uninitiated. I need you to father me. And this is pre-YouTube, right? This is pre get an answer on the internet. Yeah. What I needed was substance of a person. Yes. Yes. And I went to you or I went to Home Depot and I prayed in the parking lot, God, I need you to father me. I need you to help me. And there was this old kind guy that you could tell, like he was a father, right? He was a teacher. And, and, and he said, I can help you with that. And it wasn't about a toilet. It was about my masculine soul being healed. Mm -hmm. And that was a moment where I struck up a relationship with that man. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, another man, uh, Marine, uh, r- retired Marine, handyman, and I hired him. And I said, "Hey, I need to put out an, an attic fan in my house." But here's the deal: I'll pay you full price if you let me work with you. Hmm. And he said, "Well, that's kind of different." They've asked me to help before, and I said, well, "I'm kind of different. I'm kind of different." So would you risk? It let me get in your way. And Gabe, we spent three days and he taught me things like how to measure twice and cut once. And he looked at me one day and said, Hey, Morgan, you know what your problem is? He said, you're smart. He said, you got to do it like you're stupid, not like you're smart. Wow. And Gabe, that was, that was 17 years ago. But I remember that comment and, and it was my, what the point is, it was a father's heart. Yeah coming through pieces of a man. Yes. yes. And when I put the mosaic together, what I found was that God is my father and I'm a son and I have things to offer these older, wiser men. The, the teacher needs the student. As much as the student needs the teacher, but God has things to offer to me through serving them and inviting them in places where I feel weak and exposed. And so that began the process.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I resonate with that for a lot of reasons, but it reminds me of, a, you know, when I was younger and just freshly married, I was having issues with our dishwasher okay. and I, I refused to ask for help. Yes. And I laid on my back, there was plumbing issues. And finally, God in his kindness just whispered to my heart and he said, Call Steve.
1: Steve was my neighbor.
0: And I was like, No, God, I, I, no. And then God said, I want to father you through Steve. Mm. Call him. Way to go. Way to go. So I picked up the phone. I called him. I was embarrassed, you know, head held high. I can't fix my, I can't fix this. He came over with such a bright countenance. It was just as God said it would be. It was, it was a picture of God's uh, smile, his kindness coming yes. through this man as he fathered me. But that required exposure, like you were saying earlier. Like, that's one of the, the hardest things for us as men is to, to open ourselves up, to be honest, to be exposed, and to say, I really I
1: need help. Yes, in these areas. Well, Gabe, one of the things I want to highlight for the, the men listening to this from your story is that masculinity is always synonymous with risk. And leaning into these older, wiser men, I noticed a the theme. I noticed that every man feels in his current life, like what he's facing is a big risk. Mm-hmm. But the truth of masculine initiation is the risk that we are currently facing is very small in comparison to what God is preparing to entrust to our care. Yeah, that's that's excellent. And so here's the dilemma is masculinity is a muscle that needs to be exercised. That moment when you described, I will do this dishwasher on my own, and I won't ask for help. And then you're literally upside down, right? You're (laughs) underneath the thing and you are, you're at a question mark. Mm -hmm. And what will you do? The fear of exposure, right? The sense of weakness. And, and, and the point is that felt like a big risk to ask Steve, but the truth is that was just your training because mm-hmm. here come these kids, these precious mm-hmm. daughters and the son mm-hmm. entrusted to your care and mm-hmm. your role, you know, pastoring a community and counseling, you know, the great hearts of, of, of our fellowship here, like those are bigger stakes. Mm. It wasn't about a dishwasher, though that was the context. It was about practicing risk so that you have the experience of becoming more whole in that place. And those muscles of risk get exercised so that you go, I killed a lion. I killed a bear. I'm not intimidated by this challenge because your kingdom has expanded from a dishwasher to a community of hundreds and hundreds of hearts. And that's why the stakes are really big, even when it looks like a dishwasher. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I feel like I'm getting a
0: counseling. I mean, that's you're helping me interpret my story. It's beautiful.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's it's all of us, right? Like we're in it. I think that's what I want to remind the listeners. Like you're no different. I'm no different. Every yeah. one of us, you know, there are these central—I'll call them like the questions of masculine initiation. Like, mm-hmm. who is God really? Like, not your creedal statements, right? Mm-hmm. But Dallas Willard says actions reveal beliefs one hundred percent of the time, and so your actions reveal what you actually believe about God. Who is God really? Who am I as a man, and who am I uniquely? What is that name that God has has, has crafted me? is a unique expression of his image. And like, what is the story in which we find ourselves? We're all modeling a worldview. And our kids are asking the question, is their life attractive? Does the faith that my parents live out, is it something that I want? It does it produce life? And what is my frontier? Like, what is the edge of my masculine initiation? Next, where do I risk? We all have the same questions from, from Brady to you, to me, to every man.
0: Yeah. You know that what you said about masculinity being a muscle that's got to be worked. I love that picture. I think that is that is so true. And I'm curious Morgan, like how have you as you've stepped into this frontier and as you've said yes to this process, how have you invited Joshua and Abigail, your son and daughter into it? What what has that looked like? Cuz I know we've got a lot of Uh, men listening that not only are their own hearts being stirred, but they're also fathers. And wondering, how do I, how do I do this in a way that I'm being initiated, but yet I carry this responsibility to help initiate my son and daughter. And so
1: would you speak to how you've approached that? Yeah. I, I love that question because that's the core passion of my life. Like most days I spend most of my energy thinking about that Mm -hmm. uh, because I just, I'm passionate about initiation. And I believe um, that fundamentally that God's mission is to initiate my children, my son Mm -hmm. and daughter into wholehearted maturity, right? Is to be fully human as a man, as a woman and that my job is to participate yeah. with God's plan for that. And so one note, cause this podcast is short. Um, I, I, I curated and distilled some core ideas on that in this, in this little writing I'm um, called secrets to raising wholehearted kids. And you can share that for free with all your listeners and your notes or however you would share that. So I'll pass that along to you, but fundamentally Gabe, there's a couple like essence, pieces that surface when you ask that question most parents feel pressure yeah right crap and and we don't even know what we mean by crap we just mean okay i feel pressure i feel behind feel like i'm blowing it and what i've recovered over these two decades is this fundamental belief that's actually what god's up to God is initiating our children. God is maturing our children. That's what he loves. And he's inviting us to participate And Gabe. That fundamentally changes the posture. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, because now it's not on me. Yes. exactly. Like, I have a huge part to play. I would, I would argue that I Sherry and I are primary that we have the primary role in that for our son and daughter, but we're not the only ones and it's not up to us. And so it creates a culture. uh, I would call it curiosity. God, what are you doing in my children? What are you up to? What is their temperament? What is their season? Where are they at risk? What do they need to be prayed for? How, how do I need to, how do I come to the center of their heart so that they actually feel known and understood and, and, It really takes the pressure off. But the other piece that I just want to point out for this podcast that's so central in bringing our children into initiation, when we begin asking those questions, what it reveals is this core truth. We cannot offer anything other than who we've become. You know, I have a lot of men, hundreds over these years that have asked me questions like that. How do I initiate my kids? What do I do? How do I do this? But I've never had a man say, this is where God has taken me. This is who I've become. And I want to offer that to my kids, but I don't know how. Yeah. Because here's the thing. When we become, we offer our children, who and what we've become. Yeah, It's actually osmosis. We find it in us. So the question of initiating children is far less about what to do for them. And it's first and foremost, far more about who am I becoming? Who is the person they encounter when my daughter has a tragic accident, you know, near tragic, near death on a horseback riding situation, or they get tangled up in some kids really making some poor choices or their school, their sports get shut down with, you know, with COVID. And now I have a deeply extroverted daughter in an introverted home. Like what's going to happen when they meet futility and failure? Well, that's going to flow out of the work that I've done.
0: Yeah. And so
1: there is no shortcut to wholeheartedness, but it starts with me as a parent. And that's actually the hope because there's we have a lot of control over that. Yeah, yeah. See what you just did.
0: What I felt like you just did, Morgan, is you lifted a lot of the pressure off. Yes. You know, I felt it. And you reminded me and you reminded us that God is the true father. He is the one ultimately fathering my daughters and my son. And he invites me to pay attention to what he's doing and to stay in alignment with what he's yes. doing. And so that, that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. You know, what that made me think about uh, something uh, that's been helpful for me is just at, each year to ask God for one word of like, God, yes. what's one word that captures how you're fathering Avery this year. Beautiful. And then what's one word that captures how you're fathering Sophie. And that just helps orient me to what, what he's doing in their lives. And so, have you found? Have there been uh, really helpful, practical things that you've discovered that's helped you pay attention to how God is fathering Joshua and Abigail?
1: Yeah, it's you. Um, well, I love that you would ask that question, Gabe. It tells me your curiosity for your kids, and that they are in good hands. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I just want to celebrate your posture mm-hmm. in that with mm-hmm. your kiddos, because we think we know. Right. Mm-hmm. We think we know, like, um, and we often find ourselves uh, subconsciously parenting out of a reaction.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So what we did or didn't receive. Right. I, I had a lot of shame in my story growing up with organized sports, and I was severely overweight and I never thrived in those sports. And then I was severely anorexic and then began a lot of my healing. And that's where I recovered my body. And God used wilderness to initiate my soul. And a lot of masculine initiation for me happened in the context of bow hunting and fly fishing and wilderness adventure, not as a caricature, but my personal journey. Well, I have a son who absolutely thrives in organized sports. He, he, he <laughs> crushes it in, in football and lacrosse. He just loves it. He loves training. He loves being in the gym. He loves those sports. And I fought it. I, I will confess, in those early years, I fought it, Gabe, because that's not the story I wanted for him. Mm-hmm. But deeper than fighting it, I have learned to practice again, exercising that muscle of God—not my will, but Thy will. What is Your will for my son? And he is thriving in those sports, and so I'm a champion of those sports. It's pom poms, mini skirts—I go crazy on the sidelines. <laughs> I actually have to—I right. have to do the chains in football because I get so intense and verbal. I just know like, that's not helpful to anyone. And so I chain to just Harness myself. But that's what happens when you consent to it and you go, I want what God wants yes. for my children. And so Gabe, I think one of the big things is listening to their hearts, practicing, coming to the center. Joshua, I hear you saying you love lacrosse. And that matters to you. And so I hear you saying you would rather pass on some of these hunts that are really important to me. Um, it, and I, okay, I wanna invest in that. We're actually going to do that lacrosse tournament then, that we're gonna go there. And then God blesses that. He blesses that. And then he canceled some deal where I got to take Joshua on some amazing initiation hunts because of COVID and, and football got canceled. And so God is playful, he's intimate, yeah yeah generous and so it's becoming a student of their heart listening coming to the center and being very keen on how am i possibly reacting in my method of parenting from what i was raised in out of fear or out of resentment out of a wounded place and instead how do I then say, no, I really want to listen. What is God doing? How is he course correcting? And ultimately what I'm looking for in my children is having a real time connection with their true self. Yeah. Like, Dave, if I could sum it into one thing, it, do I have access to who they truly are? And I don't care where they are. I don't care what they've done. Or not done, you know. Abigail has this ring, and, it, and it's not a promise ring, um, in the for, in the formal sense as I understand that to be. It's a ring of my promise to her. I gave to her as a little girl, and the message was, Abigail, there's nothing you can do or not do, or say or not say that will that will justify me withdrawing my delight wow, wow. of you. And that's it. That's the whole package. I refuse to withdraw my delight. You have my heart. And so we have gone through some really tough things with our kids. We are still going through some tough things, but what I can tell you Gabe with joy and I can feel the emotion rise up is I have access to their true heart. Mm. And I notice with their peers, a lot of really good kids, a lot of kids in their youth group, their parents don't have access to their true heart and it's hard to really cultivate to, to move forward in their partnering with God in their initiation when you don't really have access. Yeah. Wow, what a gift you gave Abigail. And what I was thinking about
0: listening to you tell that story is that that is a rare gift that you gave your daughter. And to me that seems like that's the fruit of you know, going back, you you consented to what God was doing in your story, in your heart decades ago. And what you just did for Abigail is part
1: of the fruit of that. Oh, you're so right, Gabe. Like, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a brilliant observation because rewind the clock 10 years ago, I would have wanted to be super dad. I would want to put on the Cape and look like an amazing dad and be an amazing dad. And most of that, most of it, would have been out of my own need for validation, yeah, 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 right? I wouldn't have been able to articulate it, but with a counselor like you eventually would have unpacked, I'm actually bringing my question to my daughter to answer it, right? Yeah. I need her to be responsible for my happiness. And instead, because of this path, I'm not there yet, but I'm in process, but more of me is wholehearted. And so when I had a young daughter, I was able to go to my wife and say, Sherry, help me understand what does Abigail need from me? What would you have loved your dad to have said and acted upon when you were 10 years old? And I I was a question mark, but it was a confident question mark rather than a fearful one, because I know my father, I'm on time right? Yeah. This is on time. And Sherry, my wife coached me through that and yeah. it was a rescue. And so yeah. that's the brilliance of this is initiation as a son, we're always on time.
0: Yeah. And you, that required curiosity and exposure for you to even be willing exactly. to ask that question. Exactly. So you um, know, I wish we could go on for a long time, uh, Morgan, because there's so much depth in this message But the last thing I want to ask you about is, you know, this isn't just a book for younger men, because I know we have guys watching and listening who uh, they're in, they're older men, but yet they're still being stirred by this message. Yes. And so I know uh, one of the things you want to communicate is this, it doesn't matter what season of life a man is in this invitation that God gives to, to initiation doesn't stop it if a man you don't graduate out of this. Exactly. Would, would you be willing to speak to the guys who might feel like, yeah, I, I want this.
1: I need this. But like, is it too late? Sure. Right. That question of too late. It really haunts most men when we get to adulthood. Right. I, I remember a friend said to me, he just confessed. He said, you know what, like, Morgan, I just feel behind and, and I can't even name it. But it's behind in my finances, behind in my marriage, behind in my fitness. He said, I feel like I'm getting beat by my yard, like the crabgrass <laughs> is <went> behind. Right? You <laughs> know this. Yeah. We all know this. And and fundamentally, that sense of behind is rooted in a condition of fatherlessness, even if part of us knows God as Father there's still more of us that's inviting in being invited to become a son and be fathered. And so what I believe that becoming a king is a mission and a message to recover masculine initiation and to communicate that it's not an age, but it is a stage. It's a stage that every man must pass through. And this is what's so important. In order that he might become wholehearted, in order that he might learn and practice how to live a true moment-by-moment intimacy with God so that God can hand to him the portion of God's kingdom that, that God is enjoying and delighted to and enthusiastic and entrusting to his care, right? God wants you to rule, he wants you to bring care and strength and love and provision to women and children and men in your community. We all have a sacred trust. And so for every man, I would say, if, if this is stirring you, this is just the doorway. There is so much more. And all of becoming a king is an invitation. Yeah. And I very specific, specifically formed a video series and an in-depth study guide as I was sitting with a man individually or sitting with a small group of men. And I was walking them through everything from big ideas to very practical action steps. Mm-hmm. And so for any man at any age, if this is stirring, I really would urge them to dive deeper and come with us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things I'm doing this, this month, is, first of all, I read it. I read it slowly. I underlined, I wrote in the margins. I went back through, started reading again. And then I realized I want to invite some of my closest friends mm. uh, to dig in with me. And so uh, this, this coming month, actually, I'm gathering you know, four or five of my closer friends and we're going to, we're going to dig into this content together. And I just want to encourage uh, men to, to think about that. First of all, I, I highly recommend you pick up a copy and you begin to dig in for you, read it slowly, uh, go with curiosity, uh, But then also think about who who are some of the other guys that God might be inviting you to walk with as you go through this message, and so uh, we'll put a I'll put a link uh, below that will uh, help you access some of the the content to the guys watching. But
1: I would love to give a lot of that for free too. Like I I just my my mission is to see men restored and healed yeah. and in the kingdom of God. When you look through history, what's fascinating is generation after generation reveals that the kingdom of God primarily advances in the margins, in the periphery, through small tribal communities. It's, it's often the underdog, it's often the overlooked, not the main thing. And I believe like Jesus is really passionate about seeing lives transformed one life at a time, one home at a time, an intimate community with a few like-hearted kings. And so I, I just, I'm so moved that you personally would dive in. And if there are guys in this fellowship, you know, new life has played a very strategic role in, in this rest restorative work and and many of those older guides came through the new life community. Yeah. So I've been deeply blessed and it's my honor to invest back. There's a hidden page. It's becomingaking.com but then it's slash launch team. And on that page, you can get the study guide digitally for free. You can get all the videos for free. There's a a beautiful two-part series where I grabbed my wife and the wives of my closest allies who walked through this for a decade and asked them, what's it like? What's the fruit? And yeah. it was very risky, but it's all there for free. And the spirit of it is I want to make it fully available to the New Life community um, because it, it's been so revolutionary and healing for me. And so, yeah, guys can find more at becomingaking.com launch team. And then if guys want to keep tracking, we offer regular podcasts and blogs for men that are like-hearted, the, that, that really are part of the few. And that's all at becomegoodsoil.com.
0: Yep, you're a generous man. Thank you, Morgan, for that. Hey, lastly, would you pray over the guys? I know, I know the guys are they're stirred right now and intrigued.
1: And would you just close by just praying I, over them? Father, I, I know that this creates tension, that there's longing and there's ache. Hmm. God, I pray, Father, that you would remind us that we were born into a father-centered father initiated, and father bathed reality. Hmm. We are your sons. You are our father. We ask that we would become your sons and you would become our father, that you would lead us into the more that you have lead us jesus through your supernatural power making the impossible possible lead us spirit through your careful joyful curious kind counsel mm-hmm. lead us to father through your provision and your generosity and your humor and your protection and your prevailing goodness you are at the center of all things i want to risk i say yes yes, I give you permission. I give you access in Jesus name. Yeah. Amen. 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 Thank you, Morgan. Thanks, buddy. Bless you. We'll talk to you soon.